pieces. And in your heart, there's this rejection and inferiority and do whatever it is. And like Gideon, you think you're not good enough. God says, I'm coming to throw over the tables of your heart. The Lord says, I'm throwing over the tables of your heart. And all those things he removes from you. He's asking you to come aside. He's asking you to prioritize him. Because on, your, on, he, on the tables of your heart, he wants to come and put a new thing. He wants to open up his word to you. And just like Gideon, you will lead an army. He will not force you. He will not put pressure on you. He's asking you, come to the table. It's clean. Whatever is in the past is in the past. All those feelings, all those emotions, all those regrets. It's in the past. He says, I'll make you white as snow. Will you come to the table that he sits before your enemies and he wants to make your cup overflow? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Sit down here. While we were worshiping, I got that. So, thank you, Vicky Sachters. It's just a little bit loud. I don't want the wow, 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 wow. Okay. Thank you, my son. All right. So, you know, there was a temple built by hands. Thank you, Rustin. There was a temple built by hands. The temple of Solomon. Solomon's temple was built by hands. Again, they used stones to build that temple. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. It's gone. The New Testament, you are the temple not built by hands. Hello? Where God wants to reside in. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Lord? All right. So that said, I want you to know that you're important to the Lord. This morning, I want you to get that. I want you to understand that with your heart of hearts, that God loves you, that God cares about you, that He is for you and not against you. You are His preferable place of residence. He wants to stay within, within you. Now, everybody knows John 3.16, am I right? Uh, I'm certain we can all say it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But there is a duality in the Lord. There is love and there is righteousness. And they are equal in weight and importance. And if I diminish the righteousness of God, it means I diminish the love of God. If I diminish the holiness of God, I diminish His love and His mercy and His grace. Does it make sense? When I elevate His righteousness and His holiness, I automatically elevate His 
love. Why? Because his love had to satisfy his righteousness and his holiness on the cross. Everybody knows John 3.16. Very few people know John 3.36. And I want to read John 3.36 to you. This is important for where we're going this morning. Listen to what John 3.36 says. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. So when you, a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus. All right? A lot of people say that. I believe in Jesus in their mind. They believe in Jesus, but in their hearts they don't because the outflow of belief in the heart is action that follows that belief. And it's very easy to illustrate if I had to have an electrical cable and I say, would you please touch this electrical cable? Will you touch it? Why not? Because your belief in the power of electricity has got an influence on your behavior. Hello? Now you tell a little boy there's power in the electrical fence. What does he do? He touches it. My son, prime example. Son, go check if the fence is on. So what does he do? He doesn't go to the meter here at the back. He goes to the fence. Look at you! <laughs> he doesn't touch it anymore. Alright? Because now, even though he doesn't see it, he believes in the power of electricity. When we truly believe in God, when we truly believe in the Son of, of God, and Jesus, it must have an effect on our behavior. Otherwise, I don't believe. I'm lying to myself. My mind is believing something, but my heart's not. So if I keep on continuously doing exactly that same thing, I don't believe. Now, listen to what the rest of this says. He who believes in the Son has everlasting, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. I like Afrikaans. Die wraak van die Heere. We got the ch and the k and the r in Afrikaans, which you don't have in other language, languages. The sounds. That almost sounds offensive. Ne? He who does not believe the wrath of God, he who believes has everlasting life. Now, people would think the wrath of God as well as going financially bad or maybe this. No, that's not what it talks about. Not at all. You see, we shouldn't think fleshly about this, earthly about this. It's not what we're talking about. The wrath of God means that if you should pass away, you go to hell. It rests on you. It's a weight you'll carry. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. While you are alive, God will be good to you so that your eyes can open up and see that is the way. It's like little signboards along the road. Turn left here, 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 turn left here. The goodness of God all the time pleading with you. Come on over. Believe in the Son. Believe in the work of Jesus. Not intellectually. Your heart of hearts. Your heart of hearts needs to believe. So that brings us up to our text this morning. And I'm titling this message, Broken or Ground to Powder. Jesus speaks, and we're starting to read in Matthew 21, verse 33. 
Jesus is speaking to Pharisees. He's speaking to people that are in church. He's speaking to people that say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Here another parable. Now a parable obviously links certain things with each other, like types of. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when the vintage time or the harvest time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dresser that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dresser took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And he sent another, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vine yard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Then the Pharisees said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and leaves his vineyard to another vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. And Jesus said to him, You have never read in the Scriptures. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was lay the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whoever it falls, it will ground him to powder. So in my preparation, I read the same piece of text Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning. And then I meditate during the week and just give space in my being. I hope for the Lord to speak to me regarding this piece of text. So on Friday morning, I've now kind of read this text quite a bit and thought about it. And, you know, so I just scanned over it. And I hope it was the Lord. Something in me said, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Read this carefully. And I stopped. And I went right to the top and I started reading carefully. And the part that got to me is, who falls on this stone will be broken, but on whom the stone falls will be ground to powder. And I'm like, Lord, whoa, 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 stop. I'm confused. What's going on here? I don't understand. So the Lord starts showing me, and I'm doing reading, and I'm researching, and I'm phoning people. I say, hey, what do you make of this text? And this one is saying this, and this one's saying that, and, and I'm reading more, because obviously the Lord wants to just open this up so we can see. You see, when they were building Solomon's temple, the, now the temple is where the Lord resides. Make sense? Okay, so they were carving the stones by hand. 
they didn't have the technology we have. Nice stone cutting blades. So they did chiseled. And sometimes those stones won't proper, proper fit in the corner where it, or where it's supposed to be. And they'll put it in the ground. And then the grass would start growing over. But somebody would make a note of that thing. It's like, why? Because some other time they might, oh, remember that stone there? That'll fit. You see, and then it would happen. People would trip over that stone and fall on it. And they might break a bone or two or they'd be stickened. Now, part of the stoning process in the Bible times, when they stoned people, they would throw a stone to the midsection first. The first stone would hit here. That's what they would do. And they always had a big stone that they would just push over onto that person once they've bowed down. And it would splat them. That was part of the process. Historically, it's like, good. Now when Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees, he's referring to these, these things. The stoning of a person that where the stone hits you or the stone falls upon you. When you trip over that stone, you get broken. But when that stone falls on you, it grinds you to power. So I try to find a picture, but they're all a little bit... Parental guidance needed. Nah. So it's, it's not necessary. So I did put a nice picture on our pot bean where it's like this skeleton lying in the ground with a rock on top of it. <laughs> I thought it communicates nicely. So then Jesus, or we should remember that in the Garden of Eden, Jesus is a tree of life. There are two trees, the trees of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. In the desert, Jesus is the rock that Moses hits, that water comes out. Okay. So Jesus is this cornerstone. You see, the temple that he builds now is not with, hand, with hands. It is by God. Now I want you to understand... Nothing that is not born of God will satisfy God. Nothing that's not born of God will satisfy God. Only that which is born of God satisfies Him. Abraham goes and he decides you'll have Hagar and Ishmael. The Lord says, that's a nice job, but not good enough. It's not born of God. She says, I will bless Isaac. Out of Isaac, all the nations will be blessed. Out of Isaac, the sons, as many as the stars, will come. Out of Isaac, Jesus comes. Out of faith, God is only pleased by faith. Actions of faith. Not good ideas, but God ideas. Not good ideas, but God ideas. So that which is born of God pleases him. You see, these people in this parable. Now obviously the guy or the, the landowner is the Lord. God the Father. He is the landowner. That's him. And he prepares this land. He's put everything in this land. And now he rents it out to the farmers. Who are the farmers? The farmers are the church-going people. 
Those are the farmers. And he sends to the farmers, give me the harvest of the kingdom. Give me my harvest. Give me my fruit. And they, what do they do? Well, the prophets go. They send the prophets. Just, just for interest's sake, Isaiah was sawed in two. That's how he died. Jeremiah was stoned to death. Remember Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. January and February and March, they were thrown in the fire. Maandag, Dinsdag en Woensdag. Hoe sê jy? Saturday, Sunday, Maandag. Saturday, Sunday, Maandag. They were thrown in the lions. Ach, in the fire. You see, Father God has sent His messengers over and over and over to the church. To, the, to those of faith. You say, where's my harvest? Where's the harvest of the Where's the fruit of the kingdom? Where's the fruit? And what do they do? They say, no, 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 no. We'll saw them in half. We'll criticize that pastor. We'll run from that church to that church because I don't like that. I'll find fault with that preacher. It's for now. Now, was Isaiah perfect? Was Jeremiah perfect? Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, were they perfect? No one was perfect. Yet, God used them. Charles Spurgeon writes, when I go to a town, I understand there are way better preachers than I am. But all I can say is that God uses me. No one's perfect. Yet the Pharisees would justify their action by killing. They don't produce the fruit of the kingdom. But when they get a message, hey, listen, you need to you need to start doing this. We will come bring me the fruit. They kill those messengers. To God the Father said, I'll send my son. And what do they say? Ah, we want to take his inheritance. Slavery. They think like slaves. You cannot take anybody's inheritance. Even if you kill the son, the father is not going to, oh, let me give you his inheritance. They're trying to take what's not theirs. What are they trying to do? They're trying to attach people to themselves. No. You attach people to Jesus. Not to your gifting, not to your personality, your kindness. Oh, you're so loving. No, no, no. You attach them to Jesus. You get people hooked on the Word of God. Not on the music. Not on the whatever you want to. On the ministry. You attach them to Jesus. The Son saves if you don't believe in the sun, now you're tripping over the stone. You're falling on that stone. Jesus is the stone. So now you trip over the stone. You fall on it. It breaks you. And if you don't believe in the sun, one day 
that judgment will fall upon you and it will ground us to powder to the unbeliever it will ground whether they're stumbling over Jesus right now or one day you see a lot of people will come to church and they will do all the churchy things they will even know the Bible better than the rest of us they can quote scripture and have doctrine and theology and they have everything up here just like the Pharisee and the Lord says where is the fruit of the kingdom not the fruit of the Spirit don't get confused. He's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. Let's read that together again. Okay? Verse 41. And I said to you, uh, sorry, um, verse 43. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. Bearing the fruit of the kingdom. The harvest that God wants. Not the fruit of the Spirit. Now I'm going to just say this again. I want to say it again so that you know this. God loves you and you're important to Him. John 3.16 For God so loved you. Put your na own name in there. But those that don't believe the wrath of God rests upon them. And God wants the harvest of the kingdom. What is the harvest of the kingdom? Souls. Souls. That's what God wants. The harvest of the kingdom. You see, he says, work in my land. I have planted, I have hedged it in, I've given you a tower, I've prepared everything. Bring me the harvest. Wilco, how many people have you led to me the last six months? How many people have you sat down and shared the gospel with? That they surrender their lives to the Lord. I want to tell you a story. Somebody phones me on Thursday. And um, they had to go to the hospital. Somebody they know is dying. They're dying. I phone me, what must I do? I said, go in there. And give them the gospel. Never mind their feelings right now. Not saying be a bull in a china store. That's what I'm saying. But right now, the focus must be that person's soul. That's, that's the focus right now. Time's up. You see, Jesus didn't, when he said, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son to those that believe in Him would not perish. He's not talking about the flesh. Alright? This is worm food. Maksha, just go like this. Say with me, worm food. It's going to decay. Alright? But your soul, your spirit will live forever. So that would not perish. That your spirit would have everlasting life. See, this is the focus right now. Go in there and go present the gospel. Just pray. This person phones me five minutes later in tears. I can't do it. 
conduit. I say, are you saved? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit inside of you? Yes. But come help. No. Don't attach to me. Attach to him. Attach to him. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, he resides in you. He is the cornerstone of your being. Go in there. And all you say is, even the, you see, the person was not conscious anymore, in and out of conscious. You say, we're not talking to the flesh now. We're talking to the spirit. You say to that person, I'm speaking to your spirit now. The word of God says, if you cry out, because all who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, even in your inner being. Are you following what I'm saying? You can cry out to God without opening your mouth. Who knows what I'm talking about? Lying on your bed. Crying out to God about your children or your future. Or the hurt. Oh, just, just crying out. Your being crying out. So just speak to that spirit. And when you turn around there, you go and you pray with the spouse and say, The Lord hears when people cry out. He, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Cry out. That's the harvest he wants. That's the harvest he wants. You see, it mustn't be about attaching to me or attaching to Rustin, thinking, oh, such a nice guy. Or he's such a bull. You know? Elegant speech. No, 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 no. That's the cross. The cross is offensive. That is why people stumble over Jesus. Because he's offensive. Not all my good works gets me saved. Not all my beautiful music and worship gets me saved. Not all the effort that I do with the SPCA to spay the dogs in the Eastern Cape gets me saved. Not being kind and loving towards any person or anyone gets me saved. Jesus alone saves. Jesus alone saves. Anything born of flesh will never ever satisfy God. Only that which is born of God satisfies Him. John 1.12 says, If you receive Jesus, you are born of God. Go read John 1.12.13 and 14. That you're not born of flesh or the will of man, but the will of God. And not by blood, but by His Spirit. Born of God. You see, when I have a good plan, a good idea, everything that I do within my personality, all my own interpretations or point of views will bear zero fruit, just like the Pharisees. They could get no one saved. No one. No one. It wasn't growing. It was elitism, exclusivity happening, wisdom of man happening. Not the wisdom of God, wisdom of man. That brought people to the synagogue and wanting to be in because they had an exclusivity going. The gospel is not exclusive. 
the gospel is not just for the circumcised or for the white people or the colored people or for the people without tattoos or out piercings in, one, in weird and wonderful places. Okay, The gospel is for everybody. You see, and then the father, the landowner, sends his son or his servants. and say, where's the harvest? No, I've got no harvest. Got no harvest. Well, I've taken all the harvest. I've attached people to me and my ministry. I've never, ever had the backbone to say, are you saved? Are you saved? If you would die now, will you go to heaven or hell? Because I'm too scared. Maybe I offend your, you or offend your feelings. That's when I'm trying to attach people to me. But when I'm trying to attach people to Jesus, without being bullish, without being inconsiderate, without being tactful, not saying put all of that aside, but I take the stance that I want to present you with the gospel that the church won't save you. Man won't save you. Jesus saves. And the evidence thereof. Now this person that phoned me, later on I phoned again to pray with this person. So listen, I want to pray about the trauma in your life that's happened because it's traumatic when you stand next to somebody's bed that's about to die and then later dies. There's something that happens inside of you. If you've never been there, it is traumatic. If you've never been next to a bed where somebody begs you, would you pray that God takes me? I'm tired. If you've never been in that place where you're standing next to somebody's bed and they don't have the ability to control their bowel movements anymore because they are passing away, it does something to you. There's a trauma there. So I'll pray for the trauma and I'll pray and say, Father, this trauma, will you remove it from the spirit of this person? But the work that you've done, started doing, I want you to add to that, Lord. And that is a hunger for souls. Because when you come in face to face with death, and yes, somebody that you care about, you want to see them saved. You want to see them saved. You don't want to see them go to hell. You see, but that's time's up. It's too late, almost. That's 99. If we really care about people, like we say we love people, we confront them with the gospel. We offend their flesh. Because the worm food will remain worm food. But their spirit will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And Jesus made a way for us. That's the fruit of the kingdom that our Father wants. That's the fruit. And I hear the Lord's me. Look how many people have you led to the Lord? 
in the last six months? How many people have you sat down and explained the gospel with this week? Sat down, explaining to them that Jesus loves you. He died for you. If you would believe in him, you will be saved. And not a belief that doesn't change you. A belief that births a burden for souls in you. You see, either we will be ground to powder when he falls on us, or we'll be broken because we stumble over him. Would you please close your eyes? And I want to give you the opportunity this morning. I have got this privilege to stand here and, and get the opportunity to, to present the gospel to people every Sunday. And I want to do it again, and I'll never, because I'm not ashamed of it. I want to ask you, there where you are, there where you are seated, I want to ask you just for one second, look into your heart of hearts. Look past your opinions. Look past everything you know. In your heart of hearts, are you saved? If you would die now, will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? Ask yourself this this morning. Do I have a burden for the lost? Or am I more concerned of how I am perceived? Ask yourself this morning. Do you hate sin? Or are you still willing to compromise? Ask yourself, look into this mirror of the word this morning and truthfully and honestly ask yourself, do I love the word of God? Or I don't even know where Genesis is. Do I love church? The body of Christ. Because when He, the cornerstone, is in your heart, you'll have a burden for the lost. You'll hate sin. You love the Word. You would love the body of Christ. this morning if you are uncertain or maybe you've grown cold I want you to pray with me not because we do it every week I want you to cry from your inner being this morning so dear Lord Jesus I come to you and I realize that unless I am born of God, 
I will perish and not see the kingdom of God. I ask you, Lord, save me. Your word says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, save me. Thank you that you are now in my life. Thank you that you become the cornerstone of my being. I surrender everything to you. From today on, you are my Father. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. And I am your child. In Jesus' mighty name. Give me a burden for the lost. That I might bring in the harvest of the kingdom. I ask in Jesus' name. Every head bow, every set of eyes closed. If, if you have prayed that for the first time or you feel something happening on your inside. Experiencing the Holy Spirit moving. Will you just look at me, please? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the presence, Lord. Thank you for those people that are looking at me right now. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. Thank you for your word that pierces our heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Won't you stand with me and I want to bless you. Son, will you get that first playlist ready for me? Um, My Lighthouse. I want, to, I want us to finish off with that, please. All right, won't you have your hands in the receiving mode? I'm going to bless you. And then as we walk out, we're going to sing My Lighthouse. Is that okay with you guys? Good stuff. Father, as ambassador of your kingdom, according to 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors. I come and bless your children this morning. I bless them with the love of God poured out in their hearts by the Holy Spirit according to Romans 5.5. 5. I bless them with the fruit of the kingdom. I bless them with boldness. Because your word says that the righteous, those who are in Christ, are as bold as a lion. In Jesus' name mighty name and everybody said amen. amen thank you son play for us and you can see let's go have some coffee James, your truth will you you are shining in the darkness my lighthouse my Brightest
Throw on you. 